Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today, we have the dynamic duo of Bernie and Jason Ackerman from BNA CPA. They're based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and have been wonderful carbon supporters and customers for many years now. I met Bernie and Jason in the days at Zero, and they've been technology progressives for all of their careers. Their clients love them for their relationship and the expertise that they bring to every customer that they help along their journey. I'm very proud to introduce father and son duo, Bernie and Jason Ackerman. Jason, Bernie, welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast. How are you? Very good. Very, very good. Glad to be here. Let's kick off with something completely unrelated. Jason, I've been looking at your uh, Scallion Pancake Instagram account Uh, and podcast. I need some more followers, so that's good. (laughs) I'm not a massive Instagram person. I've never opened, what's the one that everybody uses, Rita? TikTok. TikTok. I've never opened it yet. (laughs) My wife is the TikTok person, the family. But what have you tried lately? What's the food or meal that you remember from recently? So my wife and I do a food blog and podcast called Sky and Pancake. We have an Instagram. We recently went to In It Little Washington, which is a three Michelin star. It's the one closest to us right outside Washington, D.C., And it's very old. It's been around for 30, 40 years. Wow. And it was very good. And the best thing they had there, they had a dessert that was shaped like a pear, but it wasn't a pear. It was like a cheesecake with pear inside. It was very good. Have you watched the uh, Anthony Bourdain documentary yet? I haven't watched the documentary about like his life. Mm. Mm. It's hard going. It's hard going. I mean, he was an amazing, amazing chef and just was built food shows before and travel shows before there was even food and travel shows, right? Like oh, he yeah, was, he kind of put stuff on the map. Absolutely. The fame obviously got a little too much for him. Yeah, yeah. It's, not it's that famous. Very, well, no, but, I mean, he, he, you know, like the constant on the road, you know, obviously got too much. But uh, I didn't mean to bring the podcast down, but he, I really like the way that he approached it and his passion for that travel, particularly... And I don't mean to bag Americans, but particularly as, as an American who was so interested in global travel, <laughs> trying to bring culture and different types of food back to the American audiences wasn't that popular back then. Yeah, I think more people traveled and they would have more respect for other cultures and empathy. I think that's what we're missing in this country is a little bit of empathy for other people. And that's what food, food is very good mm, for that. Everyone is. eats. It is. The food is a journey, not as a destination, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, food drives a lot of religions. Yes. You know what holiday it is by the food that's being uh, presented. <laughs> and the types of people that congregate and the family aspect of food, how it brings everybody together. My, yeah. If I was going to do a food blog, which I shouldn't because I'm not a great chef, I don't mind eating, I guess but I think I need a few, a <laughs> yeah, few I more don't qualifications. Cook. I, just eat. <laughs> yeah. I would scour the world for the best scrambled eggs. That's what I would look for. Where would you go for the best scrambled eggs in the world? Oh, I don't know. That's a very niche. 
You think it's a, a bit niche? niche. Uh, <laughs> a very niche pod. <laughs> Audience of three, perhaps one less than this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. The best egg, there's a restaurant called Blue Hill in New York, mm-hmm. and they, it's all on a farm. And Ooh, they, he, wow. like, tests out different things, and he, like, fed the chickens, like, red pepper for a while. So their right. eggs turned red, and it was a Ooh. little spicy. Oh, wow. And that was really good. It wasn't scrambled, though. It was just kind of over easy. But you would have liked it if you're into scrambled eggs. There you go. I'm going to have to check out. Was it called Red Blue Hill? Blue Hill at Stone Barns. Very famous. Okay. If you watch Chef's Table, he's one of the chefs, and he gets, like, really mad. He kind of has your personality, but if you just, like, yelled at people all the time, <laughs> which you might do. I don't know. Uh, do I yell at people all the time, Rita? <laughs> he, I hope not. Don't no, it'll that. probably be the most expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I, you know. We'll stretch the budget for one good meal. <laughs> yeah. Sell some more seats. And uh, Jason, you're expanding the family. You're recruiting some more people for the accounting business. Is that true? Yeah, he'll be doing your tax return in about five years. <laughs> a new baby. <laughs> what, what happened to the first? You have to get him through kindergarten first, huh? Yeah. Well, we noticed in this one of his sonograms, he's got his fingers already ready for the calculator. Yeah, he's ready there for the calculator. <laughs> do you have to do abacus these days or do you skip the abacus? <laughs> no, he'll be coding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there's money in that, right? Tell me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the firm. Bernie, why don't we start with you and tell us about your journey through KPMG and then starting your firm and then how uh, Jason perhaps convinced you reluctantly to let him join. Is that how it went? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Actually, my journey began with Deloitte and that was back in the um, early 70s. The dinosaurs. (laughs) Right after the dinosaurs. (laughs) Right before, really. It was still in black and white. Our computer world was one terminal in the office that was connected to a computer somewhere. I think it was in New York. Wow. No one ever wanted to use it because it was so slow. Didn't they wear top hats back then? No, no, that was before me. That was before me. (laughs) (laughs) Not too long before you. No, we did, but we wore wore suits. Yeah, suits. Suits with meeting with customers and generally coat and tie just if you're coming to the office. So it was it was really, really formal, no doubt about it. But I left them in 77 and started my own firm close to the town I grew up in, which is right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's been a wonderful journey. We've been in a, a really growth area. Yep. We have always, even before Jason, tried to be in the on the top technology-wise. Mm. And we built a sort of a niche practice between our, our niche was medical. That's what I did at Deloitte. So it sort of filtered down in this community. And we do a lot of, uh, at the time, physicians, practices, dentists, and attorneys. Because hmm. our community was a bedroom community for Charlotte. We live in, Back then, it was a county of about 110,000 people, and hmm. 30,000 of them commuted to Charlotte every day because that right. was where, the, where most of the work was. Yep. Yeah, and then time marches on, and... Jason's up in New York and he went to NYU and then was working with KPMG and was looking at going to your area of the country. He called me and said, I really want to transfer maybe with them or another firm and go to the West Coast, maybe Seattle or San Francisco. And I said, well, Jason, come south and just see what you think about working in a more of a small to mid-sized firm <laughs> and see if you like it. And I was pretty sure that he would like it. And I was pretty sure that he would fit in with the culture because, you know, bringing in a relative into any firm is that can be challenging. Fraught with um, danger, it's, right? It's not the right person. <laughs> yeah. So Jason came in as a worker 
And um, he's really helped us uh, reach another plateau with our technology and just our whole processes of what we're doing. And of course, he's the one that uh, brought carbon into the firm, which has really been good for us. So where does the firm sit today in terms of people and clients and all of that? Yeah, we have 35 people. We have 300 to 400 business customers and we have wow. 1,900 individual customers. Yeah. Some overlap between the business and the individual. Yeah, of course. And is that a great spot for you? You're happy with, would you like it smaller, larger, No, I always color? said one, in the olden days, of course, now with remote, it's a little different, but 25 to 30 is pretty much the sweet spot, I think, because you have a handle on what's going on mm. at the firm. And you can, I feel like, have the right kind of controls and the right kind of relationships with your customers mm. with that size. And some of those customers are probably with you for yeah, you don't, know, don't, majority don't of that time. No, 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 I can't, <laughs> can't do that, man. A lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We have very loyal clientele. And we also have a loyal workforce, team members that have mm. been here. We have very, the key to any business, especially in the accounting business, is low turnover of your people and your customers, mm, mm, your mm. team members. And Jason, what's that been like for you working for your dad and being involved and coming into that firm at that stage? And It's been good. What are the main issues? What are the big arguments? <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to say it. <laughs> we don't really argue that much. I think the biggest thing coming in, I knew that I was related, so I had to prove to everybody else that I wasn't just getting handed the keys to the castle that I could actually do something. So I think the biggest... We had an old office that was 30 years old and like mm. by motels and we heard gunshots all the time. And I was <laughs> like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> so I think the big, we decided to build a new office pretty shortly after I came. And that was a big step for everyone. Cause, right. And also just, you know, when I started, we were using Lotus Notes for email. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we were, uh, you know, we had a huge server and accounting technology is just lagged behind most other industries even Mm -hmm. now there's no good tax product that's cloud-based so but i knew then that we needed to find a solution at least for our accounting clients that was cloud-based so the biggest thing we did at first was on the technology side was move to zero uh at that time which Mm. you used to work for back in the day back in the day uh, yes and then another big thing that we did immediately was we got rid of our timesheets so probably a year in, I always, the timesheets never made sense to me because at KPMG, it would just, you know, you just lie, whatever yeah. the budget was that you yeah. put for your time. Yeah. <laughs> so just I knew that wasn't good. It's the biggest fictitious <laughs> statement of the week, right? <laughs> so we weren't quite sure, you know, Fitz Price Agreements had just started then. It was kind of new, mm. but we just took the leap about a year in, just stopped keeping track of time and... We were doing a lot of fixed price anyway, kind of in the back end. You'd look at what you did the year before and go up a little bit <laughs> in the price. <laughs> yep. So we just kind of standardized that. And then we've been on really a seven, I guess, eight-year journey for that, where now I feel like we're just getting good at pricing and raising and going towards the value side, pricing yourself based on the value that you possess yep. to your clients instead of how much time it takes you. And I'm pretty sure we're the only... There's very few firms in the country. They might be doing fixed price agreements, but they're all keeping track of time. Mm. As you've seen, that's why you had to build this time product yes. in carbon because yep. 
no other firm, even small ones. So I'm pretty sure we're the largest firm in the country that doesn't keep track of any time, literally no timesheets in our office at all. Mm, mm. And the mathematics around utilization and realization, I mean, you can just work out whether you're profitable or not, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what's your net income? Yep. <laughs> the metrics, you know, the metrics are a little different. I mean, you, yeah. here you, you're keeping track of um, dollars per team member. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest one we're looking at. And you just, I think I told Ian once, that the only people that track time are prisoners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're the only ones that care about the time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the number of number plates, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're very well regarded in the accounting community. You've done a lot of work in how to run modern firms and you're um, quite a regular, well, pre-COVID, quite a regular on the you know, the AICPA circuit and helping others. What's next for Bernie and Jason? Are you you're moving into another tax season, not too distant future? What's on the horizon over the next three to five years? I think one of our main goals is that we want to keep trying to create a better client experience mm. with all of our products mm. and our customer experience. And eliminating the timesheets, we have gotten almost into a very normal work week during our busy season. I mean, we don't, obviously, we don't have mandatory Saturdays or anything like that. It's, it's most people are working 40, 50 hour weeks, maybe during busy season. Mm. Not like the, like my olden days when I was working 80 hour weeks. Mm. Mm. And that's Mm. what was expected. Mm. But yeah, I think kind of what my dad's alluding to is we want to go to a subscription model where the client pays you something and you do basically whatever they ask for you and you don't worry about out of scope. Just your job is to take care of the client. Mm. So we're trying to move to that and figure out how that's going to work. How do you manage that process if they ask you one thing one month and 300 things the next? Yeah, and just kind of plan for that. And also, well, it saves a lot of admin time because – you don't have to worry about what you're going to charge somebody or if everybody is just paying a monthly price, then it makes it easy to add clients. But yeah, it's kind of figuring out what the client, I mean, what clients want. They want you to be their trusted advisor. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of firms have gone away from, they've lost focus and lost what's important. Like they're trying to go away from client contact. They want everyone to just scan. They drop off their documents. You send it to India. Mm. The tax return's done and they get it. And there's you literally never talk to them. Mm. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to us because we're not a client-focused business. The value we provide is the advisory service. We're all talking about how do we provide advisory services? Well, how can you provide advisory service if you're never talking to your client and you don't know them? And each year they get a new tax repair or the tax repairs in India. So they're trying to commoditize your firm with everybody else and compete with Intuits and those types. Like you're never going to be able to win against Intuit. Intuit has billions of dollars to yeah. do tax returns. Like the value we provide is being able to solve these complex accounting issues and tax issues that they can't do on their own. Mm. With these, particularly with the long-term clients, what do you see, what's the stories that come to mind or the successes that come to mind that you've seen along the journey? Just today, I was overhearing another person in our office who was meeting with a client and he was walking out and he said, thank you so much. Like we're growing so fast and we really needed someone to help us, like tell us what to do. 
So I think just being there for the client and helping them. I mean, most people are not good at business. Mm. <laughs> it's like small business customers, they have a passion for what they do, yep. but they don't have a passion for accounting or business and they need our help. And just being there for them and seeing their successes and their growth. And my dad's been around so long. He's seen companies In a good way, Bernie. Grow. In a good way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's one company we have that's selling for $40 million good in a couple of weeks that he probably started yeah. their accounting 20 years ago. So you go through the whole life cycle of mm. these clients and the businesses and you get to see them grow up and you, you form these long-term relationships. I think that's the most valuable thing is when your clients are your friends and then you can really have the meaningful conversations with them because you're not afraid to tell them like, you idiot, what are you doing? Mm, 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 <laughs> you know, mm. that's not smart. Yeah. Do it this way. And they value that. Yeah. Sure. One of my best stories is a, one of my customers who's uh, my age now, but he started out by running a putt-putt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now he has a 400-person, probably the first or second largest student debt collector in America. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. is the putt-putt still related? No, the putt-putt's no. gone. I, actually, I don't know if you knew this, but I was a putt-putt. <laughs> I was almost a professional putt-putt player. There you go. I went to the National Putt-Putt Championships. Is that right? There was In middle school, I had no friends. <laughs> but you were very good at putting a ball through the clown mouth. <laughs> very good. Oh, there was a movie or a series about that recently. Yeah, I think there was a, on Netflix. Yes. They used to, like, when I went to the national championships, it was the first, like, million-dollar tournament. There you go. And that was a big deal. I wish you'd have won. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> what does the national putt-putt series look like these days? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I've been out of the game for a while. <laughs> it actually started in Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is, like, three oh, hours away from us. There you go. But, yeah, it's still going strong. I mean, I'm sure there's... I'm sure the circuit's going good. Very serious uh, tournaments going on in the world of putt-putt, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> nothing could be more serious than a moving clown that you're aiming a golf ball at. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Putt-putt was more like had metal sides, so it was oh, more yes. yeah, yeah. consistent. It wasn't so much of the clowns. That's mm. miniature golf. Mi- oh, okay. You don't, you don't screw around with the miniature golf. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm not up with my putt-putt lingo. <laughs> we'll save that for our miniature golf podcast. Yeah, there is a mini golf locally that uh, we'll take the kids to every now and again. Yeah, it's fun. As you think about what's coming for the, for the firm, is there anything that you're sort of like, well, we could expand industries or we could improve our technology? You talked about the client experience experience how do you think about the industry of accounting and and the technology that's available today and where you think it should go in the future yeah i think we have a long way to go with it i think in general our client relationship is not good i mean the client technology like we don't really have a way like companies are trying to do this but just the intake of tax forms trying to make appointments and texting and how they get the tax returns and how we communicate with them is just lagging behind other industries mm, mm. a long way. We're mm, hoping carbon end. helps us do some of these things. Yes, I know a company <laughs> that is working on those types of things. I mean, yeah, that's not unique to the accounting industry, is it? Like just managing that client relate or those client, not so much the relationship, but it's the interactions with a client, right? Like just keeping everything. Yeah. 
There's so many different channels of communication these days, and there's a new one every week. You know, we were just setting up an ATS, an applicant tracking system, right? It's like, okay, well, you've got multiple people interacting with an applicant. You've got Zoom and you've got in-person meetings. You've got notes to take and the likes. There's different industries tackle this issue different ways. There's slightly different nuances in the way that interaction occurs. I mean, accountants are very document heavy, obviously. Hopefully those documents are not in paper anymore, but I bet you still see those occasionally. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is like when a client has an issue Mm. and they reach out to the accounting firm, Mm. whether it's an admin issue or a tax issue, like how fast can we get to that to give them an answer? And that's traditionally, traditionally that has been days like doing a tax return, most firms take 21 days, mm. between 14 and 21 days. Mm. Like, is that good service mm. for a client? I don't think so. So it's just how how can we make it? When I order something on DoorDash, I can track the whole process mm. easily. It's like, mm. I ordered it it's in mm. the car. It's on the way. Mm. Like, we don't have a good way for a client to know where stuff is on their side. We might be able to look in carbon and see where the status is, but the client doesn't have that. So how can we make the client relationship easier with technology? And it's just, we don't, there's not a lot of stuff out there. Companies are trying to do it. You guys are trying to do it, but we're still a long way away from that. Yep. Yep. There are definitely aspects of that that we're very conscious of. I mean, it's always about priorities, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think the next five years, that's what we're going to see a lot of movement in, I yeah. think, in the accounting space is that the interaction with client space, how do we make that better? Oh. And then hopefully there's a tax software that goes cloud, obviously into its working hard on that to mm. make it good. But I, I still think that's a little bit farther away. But I think this other stuff is, we're going to see a lot of movement there. Mm. Mm. You know, the fact of the matter is, I guess most industries, I mean, we are a technology company. Yeah. We've got all this technology. Let's say this, we're a technology management yep. company where we have to manage this all this different technology. And it's frustrating for us when our vendors aren't keeping up with the times. Mm. And you just keep knocking them on the head and they just don't want to change. Yep. Yeah. You know, you think that if you update an address in one system, you could update it and all of them at the same time. You would think that. You would think that. <laughs> so just stuff like that. And I think as a firm, we're trying to, and I think a lot of firms are moving this way, like we want to get rid of the easy tax returns or the ones that we don't add a lot of value to. And we want to do stuff that creates more value for clients. So maybe not have as many clients as we have now, but have fewer clients that pay us more. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, they're providing more value. Sorry, Benny, go on. Yeah, one of the other things that we've done is we merged with a small broker dealer firm. So we manage investments as well, manage money. And it's a natural fit for a CPA firm because most of the uh, money managers or advisors out there really have no tax background, Mm. don't understand, and don't really understand the tax aspects of investing. Mm. And that has been really successful for us. And it's really growing. Providing an extra ser- or additional services for those customers. Yeah. More of a one-stop shop, right? Exactly. Yeah. Would you ever think of selling into a bigger firm? No. No. Well, I just never say no. <laughs> Someone can't, there's a price for everything. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> What's the hesitation? I just think when you merge, you're trying to get two cultures and it's very hard to make that work correctly. And I think the larger you get, 
there are some benefits to that. But like my dad was kind of alluding to, it's just so hard to change a bigger firm. Like if we, when we wanted to go on carbon, you know, that was a three month process for us. I'm sure when you're trying to get a 400 person carbon on there, that probably takes you two years. Yeah, yeah. The business model, and, this is what I've been preaching. The business model has got to change in the CPA industry because the partnership model is not the right model. No. Decisions are, cannot be made quick enough. You've got to be quick. In like technology world. changes so fast. You've got to be able you, to you adopt gotta, you this technology. So you need to get to the regular corporate structure where your president, CEO, and, and that structure so decisions can be made much quicker, in my opinion. Well, it's always struck me as pretty weird that you're running three businesses in one, which is essentially the partnership model. You're essentially competing against the person next door to you. You keep all yeah, your own yeah. money. You keep all your own clients. <laughs> exactly. You share three people out the back. <laughs> yeah. And you share a bit of cost and you share a few systems. But, you know, your competitive advantage, all the advantages of your brain are eliminated through the lack of system integration and the lack of ability to change because you've got other partners that are actually counter-incented to see you be successful. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You summed it up very well. <laughs> we like the benevolent what? dictator model. Yeah, yeah. No, we're not a massive democracy here at Carbon either. <laughs> <laughs> More the uh, gentle communism. Well, someone's got to be afraid not to make decisions. And you're going to make some bad decisions, but hopefully you learn yeah. from those and you move on. Instead of worrying about trying to analyze everything to yeah. the nth degree. Covering your ass and doing all this. It's like, <laughs> That's right. You're not going to make 100% of the decisions right, but we got to try some things. Mm-hmm. No, they're definitely. What, um, as you grow the family, Jason, when you look ahead, what are you seeing in your future and the firm's future the most? I'm just hoping my wife doesn't kill me. <laughs> Divorce is very expensive, mate. Yeah, trying, yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to stay not divorced. I mean, I think for me, it's getting, I still do a lot of client work. It's getting, passing down the client work and doing more teaching and higher level stuff, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. I'm trying to do now. So that's Jason's my, also a very good writer. He, he writes about every other month, but this is, the CPA Journal is the New York Journal. It's probably the most foremost accounting information journal out there. And he has an article in there. And he's trying to change. He's really <laughs> I'm not trying, trying to do more writing, though. <laughs> trying, to change, help change, he's trying to help change the profession, give people a different outlook, like getting rid of timesheets. What's the feedback when you write a, a controversial article? <laughs> it's pretty good. Every once in a while, they'll send me, like, do you want to respond to this thing when people write i'm like no nah, i'm good <laughs> no, <laughs> no, they can have their very, opinion it's fine i mean there's a million ways to run an accounting firm i think can work different ways for different people mm-hmm. i just think the key is like how do you get rid of all the bullshit it's hard enough to deal with clients like our i want my team focusing on clients and helping them and like everything else i really don't want them worrying about mm-hmm. so timesheets dress code where they work like Stuff like that, they already have enough worries. Mm. Accounting's hard enough. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so that's kind of the philosophy is just let's just how do we service the clients better and everything else? Let's, if it's not important, let's not worry about it and give them all the resources they need to service the customer. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, you mentioned that the staff in the firm is a long term, a loyal staff. So you see very low turnover. Do you? That must, in a service-based business, I mean, that's everything to you guys, right? That's your value, that's your brand, that's 
how your customers get to know you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we want our CPAs and the customers, we want them to work together forever. So that's how they form the long relationships. So when someone leaves, we've got to introduce them to a new person, then they have to form new relationships. And it takes a bunch of time and effort to do that. So I'd rather not do that unless we have to. So keeping, I spend most of my time thinking like, how can we make our team feel supported and help them and make sure they like working here? So the ultimate question is, you know, are you going to retire and do your food blog or? Me? <laughs> how do you think this guy is? <laughs> food blog, that's like in California, how you have vineyards for rich people and so they're tax write-off. That's, that's what the food blog there is. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. No, now, I, I mean, now it all comes out. Yeah. I still, I mean, I enjoy helping clients. I enjoy helping people. I guess that's if you, so it's either helping clients, helping team members, helping whomever seed. So that's really what I'm going to focus on in the firm and just trying to teach the younger people too, like how to be good accountants. It takes, we're in a business that's complicated and it takes somebody three to five years before they feel comfortable doing anything. So just getting these people, our team members feeling confident they can work is that takes a lot of work. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of other firms fail is they give up. We want them to be advisors from day one. And that's just not realistic. Like our schools do a terrible job of preparing people for advisory work. They're teaching them stuff, cost accounting from 1965. Well, that's not going to help us here. So they, you know, when they're coming in here, we're having to basically teach them from ground one. And you have to be patient and it takes them time. Everyone learns at a different level and a different way and you can't give up on people. I think a lot of firms give up on people too quickly. It's very hard to productize service-based business, right? Yeah. And I think a, like we're not a technology company. Mm. We use technology mm. to make our firm, to make it better. But like, I don't think you can model us around a technology firm. Like if you try to scale us, like it's very difficult to scale very quickly because the people that you're, that we're doing, like, you have to know how to do a tax return. You know how to have to do it right. It takes time. Is the computer ever going to do the tax return from start to finish, do you think? I mean, not in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. But every year, the tax code gets more complicated. Yeah. So I don't think I've ever seen someone do a TurboTax return and it's been right. Mm. <laughs> like every time I see somebody who does it, I'm like, well, that's not good. And then even other firms that I see their work, it's like clearly an intern did this because it's just not right. Yeah. So I think that firms have, have just assumed that the technology does all the work for you now, but it doesn't. Mm. There's so much compliance work that it's difficult mm. Mm. and we can't skip over that. If you want to commoditize it, that's fine. Mm. That's not the way we're going to go. Mm. Like, I just don't see that as a good solution now. I mean, until we get to Australia, New Zealand, when they have a one-page tax return and there's no deductions and you have a VAT tax, yeah. then that's fine. But that's not how the U.S. tax system is based. We've got 20,000 jurisdictions and it just gets more complicated every year. As you know, when you tried to do payroll in oh, the U.S., it's, it's a little more complicated here. It's hard. It's very hard. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like there's no real incentive for governments to make it less complex either. Exactly. They need their ways to extract more revenue. They need, and the countries that we live in are a democracy. <laughs> so you can't you know, rewrite the tax code to simplify it dramatically. It's just democracy just doesn't work like well, that. Well, it's going to take the IRS, like, really involving their technology. And you still have to fax the IRS. Yeah. 
Like when's yeah. the last time you used a fax machine in real life? Like probably 1995. Yeah. And that's how yeah. we're yeah. still yeah. corresponding with them. So it's going to be a while. <laughs> it might be a few more years yet. <laughs> And as we wrap up, what's we're coming out of COVID. Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, we were coming out of COVID. It seems to be getting a little bit bit worse at the moment. Has that dramatically affected your area and your clients or most of your clients are sort of a little bit immune? Well, it definitely affected our professional folks, especially the dental. Yeah, right. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, were they had to shut down. Yeah, they had month. to shut down. Yep. But the uh, payroll protection loan program, the PPP loan, loans help everybody a lot. Yep. And we spent a lot of time, last busy season, this firm helped process a 300 PPP loans. Yeah, I mean, that's... In some way, it doesn't matter. And that was, that. in other words, all of our efforts went from tax preparation to PPP. And thank goodness the government, you know, they extended our timeline to give us more time to do the tax returns later. Yeah, and, th- and th- that's the best way, well, at the time, that's the best way accountants can help their customer base, right, is, is keeping them afloat, keeping, the, <laughs> keeping them compliant. That's where, keeping that's, them... <laughs> where that, that's where that lifetime value really Absolutely. made up. Absolutely. And the way it was administered was a bit tricky to get in, to get in quick at one point. Yeah. And, and if you've got those relationships and your clients are up to date, it's easy to put the numbers together and get them in the queue and, and get them get them some cash in the bank so they can survive. Exactly. Yeah. COVID, I mean, luckily we were prepared for COVID in a sense that we already let people work from home mm. and be remote. And so we were set up once COVID hit and we closed our office. So we didn't we, have a server. Yeah, yeah we were yeah, you know, We were ready transition. for that. But, <laughs> yeah. but I know most firms in this country were not ready for that. Yeah. So I think COVID in, for the accounting industry is going to be good because it forced them, they had to figure out a way for people to work remotely. Yeah. And I'm sure that helped Carbon's business and it's going to force people to, and hopefully they saw that. The benefits. Yeah, the benefits and then productivity didn't really go down. You know, in some cases it goes up because you're not chit-chatting all day. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I miss the social interaction of the office, but, uh, you know, every firm is different. Every culture is different. and Yeah, well, I think there needs to be a balance. Yeah. You know, you do miss especially for new people, it's hard for them to learn remotely. Mm, mm, so mm. it's important for them to have someone that they can go to actually in person to help them. But as you get older and you have a family, you know, we have a lot of women in here who have young kids, like they need to be at home. They need that flexibility, them. yeah. Just because they work yeah. from 10 till 2 and then, I don't know, you know, 6 to 8 maybe in busy season or 7 to 9 or something, you know, like, there's no reason you have to do that nine to five anymore or eight to six or, you know, whatever yeah, it is. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, anything else that comes to mind as we get to the end of the hour here? <laughs> I think that's enough. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I would just say we've been part, accounts are very slow to change. It's still going to be slower. Big firms make lots of money, so they don't, they're not really incentivized to change in the partnership structure. But I do think, I'm excited where the technology stuff is going over the next five to 10 years. And I would say if you're a firm, you know, there's a lot of arbitrage opportunities. Just most firms, if you just respond back to emails within a timely manner, you're doing better than most accounting firms. (laughs) So like the bar is super low Mm, mm. to create a very like 
well-respected, nice accounting firm that you want to work for. Now, well, we're all doing a piece to ultimately help the client base and help the economy and help small businesses grow and flourish and be great places to work and great places for the economy and the environment. And yeah, 90% of our businesses in this country are small businesses. Yeah, so. a lot of it's similar in most Western countries, right? And yeah. Yep. There's more opportunity for CPA firms than ever. And the, the world is is a challenging place at the moment. If we can all do our little bit, then we can Be sleep straight place. at night. <laughs> but thanks for having us. Yeah, this was great. Jason, Bernie, we love you guys. We thank you for being amazing carbon customers. <laughs> we love you too. Keep up the good work. We're expecting lots of new exciting things from Carbon over the next year. Uh, you know, we take a lot of your feedback and uh, we're very grateful to uh, but one, have one I mean... I talked with people that are thinking about carbon all the time. I mean, carbon really did help us modernize our firm. We were looking for a carbon for four years. Mm. We were on a Lotus Notes database and carbon really helped us go to the next level. So we appreciate We appreciate that. you. As much of a hard time as we give you on some of these things that we want. We're ready to get to the, to the next level. Yeah, not, yeah now, no, now you got to get us to the next level. Absolutely. That's our job. Yeah. Well, you guys take care. Thank you so much for being on the Accounting Leaders Podcast, Jason Bernie Ackerman. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com slash resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.